Hello everyone, Irliana Samsara here, back with the latest edition of Star Sound Speaks, Star Sound Astrology. So yay, I got my wish. I'm finally here with Shatab Anavari, my beloved sister, and um, she and I are going to be talking today about more solutions, right? Who to be, how to cultivate a really powerful mindset during this intense transit that we call 2020. Um, there's, um, I'm going to talk about her in just a moment, but just to more about what she's bringing us. Um, but this is going to be a, a series. We're going to be um, bringing back um, Dr. Irma Sambanai. Um, we're going to have more with Shatav and uh, many other practitioners who are very much, um, you know, master healers and uh, have been with us a long time. And uh, we've all been you know, uh, we've all got great, outrageous, uh, a library of Congress, if you will, of tools, a spiritual toolkit for moving through these times. Um, if you remember how we talked about 2020 earlier this year, that it's it's like we're in the birth canal. We're, we're leaving behind an old paradigm, and a society, um, the old structures of society, and we're now moving into this higher frequency and moving into this uh, into an on uh, a complete metamorphosis you know we see this collectively and of course we are witnessing it very much so personally collectively um it's, it seems like every day is an exponential um movement into into uh, the next level the next thing that keeps revealing itself and I know I've heard from a lot of you, um, many of you that are, you know, concerned and have asked me, you know, how long is this going to last? Um, well, you know, the, the short answer is um, it'll be the, the the background music all year, honestly. <laughs> um, right now, for the next especially eight to ten days, we have Mars that is finally in Capricorn. And Mars, the planet of action and movement, um, and uh, aggression, but also courage, faith, you know, courage and and uh, and uh, forward movement is mo- is in the sign of Capricorn, and it is now catching up to Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. So we've got those four amigos, right? Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto. Again, Saturn being the the taskmaster, the you know lords of karma and dharma and destiny and fate and society and societal, um, the structure of society, as well as uh, discipline and focus and determination and ambition and setting, you know, achieving great things, you know, the legacy that we leave for future generations. Those are, that's all very Saturnian um, work and discipline and focus and commitment. Those are all Saturn principles. And then we've got Jupiter, which is the planet of expansion, consciousness expansion, truth, wisdom, uh, higher philosophy. You know, I always think of yoga as part of that. And um, anyway, turning up the volume on things. And then a Pluto, which is, you know, um, in, in the Vedas and of the ancient yogic wisdom of India, um, Shiva, right? Pluto was Shiva. So the god of destruction, but also when we destroy things and let them pass away, then of course there's renewal and regeneration. So, you know, Mars, 
Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto are all connected very close with one another for the next eight to 10 days. So that is absolutely turning up the volume um, as we as we move forward. And it's giving us some pretty outrageous choices. Um, you know, Saturn has been associated with fear and mel- melancholy and depression, you know, and it, it definitely has been, you know, uh, giving us a very sobering wake-up call. Um, but Pluto there is, you know, saying, okay, as things die away, um, as things, one form of reality passes away, there's some other that comes up. And what that is, is certainly up to us individually and collectively. What are we going to create with this? So um, all four of those are, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty tight conjunction. Um, there'll be other things to talk about in other, uh, about other planetary alignments uh, for next month and, and beyond. But uh, right now we were feeling very guided to, to just keep using all the knowledge that, that we've had, that we've cultivated through the decades. We're, we're going to be sharing a lot about these solutions. So we're not just talking about the astral lineup and what it means, but we're also going to be sharing, as we are going to continue today with Shita, um, solutions and things and inspiration and stories and actual tools and things that you can use to, to move through this powerfully. So I have to say too, in, in, uh, very excited to share that I, I got probably the, the most amazing feedback that I've ever gotten. I've been on the air almost, almost a year and a half now. And the segment that we did with Irma-san on pranayama and the medical benefits of that was so outrageous. Uh, thank you so much for your feedback. Um, I'm getting so much fan mail now. <laughs> and I know that, that uh, you all enjoyed Irma-san. So yes, we are, we are bringing him back. And uh, you're going to love Shata. She's going to talk to us about, um, you know, from her years of, of wisdom. And so um, we might as well just, just yeah, introduce her now. Uh, her name is Shata Benavari. So by little little introduction about Shata, um, she has been studying yoga for, what, 26 years or something? Linear time, of course, many, yeah. many lifetimes. <laughs> and um, so this is, here she is. Saying hello to everyone on Star Sound Speaks. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for, for having me today. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, Shita has um, had a very amazing journey. Um, in terms of credentials, you know, she, she has been a yoga teacher, but she's actually been much more than that. Um, something that she wouldn't talk about, but I will tell you that she is really a yoga master. So it's, it's more than just, not that being a yoga teacher is nothing, that's absolutely phenomenal. And I know there's gazillions of you out there and that's great. And what I love about Shita is that she is so, like all yoga teachers, very passionate about sharing this wisdom. And uh, she has definitely, um, through her life, um, really exemplified the very principles that yoga is about, about regeneration, you know, the death of the ego and the regeneration of ourselves in, in the birth into the light body. Um, I, I remember, I mean, Shita and I, you know, we go way back and um, just by way of introduction, you know, here's the conversation in the world right now. We see a lot of people passing away, you know, um, going through a horrific um, ordeals, you know, either we're afraid of what's there or concerned, or there, there are many, many people 
um, who are dying, you know, and or have died. So death and uh, and such is it's a heavy subject, and we're all <clears throat> dealing with this. Well, Shita has really had some amazing. Um, you know, a, a life story about that, having at the age of 19, she almost left the planet. She had some a major serious illness and she survived and she moved. She has confronted death um, in her life very much so and has obviously some great life lessons. So maybe we can ask her about that and, uh, you know, get have her share from there and also um, the power of yoga and the various ways in which we can use yoga, certainly being self-quarantined, you know, we can't be going to yoga studios right now, um, most of us. And um, so if we are at home, you know, what what kinds of things can we do? So anyway, um, but going back to her, um, her, her, you know, I'm going to now just, we're going to move from there and find out, you know, what was that like for her when she was 19? And, you know, what kind of lessons can we, can she share with us that are you know, you know, applicable here and that we can take as inspiration. So, um, yay. All right. Um, so Shita, you were, you were 19 years old and were you studying yoga at the time or was that? No, I wasn't. I was actually, um, in school at the time in California and I had to return, um, when I started, um, becoming ill and I had a, um, a hard time because I was out there, um, in California and, um, I only had, you know, the friends from school. I had no family around or anything, but, um, I had an experience of, uh, deep, deep healing and just an opportunity to find what I was really here to do, I guess. And, um, I was in school for, um, for theater and dancing and and I love that but I always knew there was something more and and something uh, deeper that I wanted to uh, share in my expression and um, so the healing journey was actually how I made my way into the world of yoga and um, it wasn't for fitness or to get stronger or anything like that at first uh, it was just you know, simply for healing. And it was actually a doctor who recommended it, um, to me at the time. And, um, so when I came back home and, and, um, began incorporating a lot of these holistic modalities, um, be it homeopathic and flower remedies and acupuncture and, uh, you know, yoga, of course. Um, I remember at the time I, I had a cousin who, had to carry me up the stairs to the second floor where the yoga studio was. So, um, I, I was sitting against the wall, very weak and not able to do much, but I had a very compassionate, kind yoga instructor at the time that said, you know, just visualize it. If you can't do anything physically, just visualize it. And that's actually how I began my practice. Mm. So, um, very different than, you know, how a lot of people enter into the average uh, person. Yeah. Well, I also just want to say too, that you were a dancer and you had just been accepted to Alvin Ailey Mm -hmm. at 19. So that was, and you were thinking like that was going to be your life, Mm -hmm. but then you got sick. So you could imagine that, you know, being in that level and then all of a sudden you find yourself, you can't even walk. Right. That was very, 
um, traumatic in some ways, you know, and yet um, it was a while before I actually got into uh, a yoga practice and then into a physicalizing that practice. So what I did is little by little, I would, you know, scoot myself away from the wall. I would start to do a little bit, then I just close my eyes and visualize it. And so it was this dance of actually, you know, embodying and embracing the movement and then resting. And so there was this great and deep listening that was cultivated through my own journey, through my own practice. And then from that, actually uh, birthed an opportunity eventually to teach and it was something I didn't really ever see uh, coming but I had a teacher at the time um, beautiful teacher in Clearwater Florida who asked uh, if I would uh, teach his class (laughs) and uh, while he was traveling and I was I was shocked and you know at that time um, it was it was very different and very humbling uh, than, than, you know, maybe teaching a dance class or something. I had never done anything like that before. But I, when I experienced it, realized how satisfying and how uplifted I felt in being able to share something that had so deeply and profoundly uh, assisted me. And so that kind of began this whole journey of, of sharing yoga and so I from there continued to train and practice and um, you know eventually the Yoga Alliance was then formed and you know got involved in more training and uh, moved to Mount Dora back in 1997 and opened up a studio in 1998 and um, have been which is in Florida in the U.S. We're international, so (laughs) and from people in India may not know where that. (laughs) Just in case, that's true. You know, we're in 28 countries and counting. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's um, you know, a big part of uh, you know, is just these what putting one foot in front of the other and just allowing the doors to open and. And I think that happens a lot when you're really guided and led by by spirit and by your you know your heart and soul's calling. And so this is um, how it continued, and um, then you know eventually birthed a, a teacher training program when I was asked to um, by by several. And you know it it was just an extension of that joy and being able to share even more and uh, found that these groups of people coming together in training, you know, it formed a whole community. It formed a a beautiful uh, bond and and deep friendship, you know, a a tribe of sorts of of being able to uh, really go on a journey together and let go of all of these veils and, um, you know, reflect the light to each other. So it was um, an extension of that sharing of yoga beyond the physical practice, beyond just even uh, a lot of the things that we think of in terms of a practice. Uh, it was just that coming together and really being authentic and allowing the the teacher within each and every one to um, kind of come forth. And, and that is such a great thing to witness. Mm. 
Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I know uh, right now I've been getting a lot of uh, messages from different yoga studios in my inbox that are saying, oh, we've had to, you know, close our physical location and they're going online and, um, and, and such. As, and, um, you know, how, how, is there any words of wisdom that you can offer to people who are maybe either yoga studio owners or just or teachers or the students that have been going to the physical location um, anything like that before we move into the, the toolbox, our wonderful toolbox of outrageous tools. <laughs> but is there anything you want to say about people as they, as we're all making this transition to, you know, going deep literally in within our own homes? <laughs> That's right. Well, and this is such a great opportunity, this, um, this global experience. It's a, it's an, a beautiful unraveling of sorts and it, it really is how we choose to experience it and take it. And um, certainly, there's you know the the upheaval of oh my goodness, you know the income, and especially if you were teaching in a studio or what have you. It's very interesting that I um, I had closed a studio not too long ago, and so it really just uh, gave this opportunity to to maybe share in a different way. Um, some can maybe do private lessons more one-on-one or do the online classes uh, in terms of practicing you know online classes are are more and more available and and even just beginning to in our own whether we're a teacher of yoga sharing yoga or a practitioner being able to really just be in the the silence and allow movement to come from that place of stillness sometimes it's it's very different i think we rely sometimes on uh on the instruction and that's very important of course for lines of energy and you know uh proper placement and and such knowing how to do something and yet at the same time this is also an opportunity to allow that inner teacher to come forth even more maybe setting up a space in your own home that really clearing that space and making it uh you know indigenous to you and if you are able to uh do that with others that's great you know you can share it um but even our own practice i i feel if there's even a little space that we can create for that is important if you're able to go outside and you know practice in your yard or or uh, somewhere in nature that's that's wonderful uh, because that's you know of course how it was traditionally done and uh, out in the elements and it's really important to be able to breathe and and be in that gratitude for the connection that we can have with the elements and this is such a, a great opportunity I feel you know for for many many that may have not had that to okay what are we going to do with this so i like that idea about the corner like even if it's just if you have a humble dwelling just a little even a little corner of a room that you only dedicate that to you know your yoga practice so if you live with someone that you all agree to use that little corner for prayer and meditation because i know that um that is over time like energy builds in that like i know a physicist would call it scalar energy or you could call it prana or chi that builds so if you were to see it on a i don't want to say an x-ray but um you know if you were to map it out on on a you know whatever kind of 
measuring spectrum, you would probably see like Kirlian photography, right? You would see a light there because it builds, and that's why temples and are so, are so powerful, right? It's all those people praying and praying, and yeah, it is, and it's a great opportunity for us, you know, beyond what we may have known as our practice before, to step it up. It's taking it to a new level, and it's for everyone, you know. This has an opportunity to go one way or the other and so for some it might be the best of times and it might be the worst of times for others but we can all do our part to you know sit down be still take a deep breath you know if you want to get a candle and practice tratak where you're gazing at a flame maybe just to kind of give a focal point because sometimes that's really important to be able to uh, focus because there's so much going on it's not only our stuff that we're feeling especially if we're very you know empathetic we can pick up on that from so many uh, other energies around us right now and it's just it's so rampant right now that we have to kind of pull in and go okay where am I where is my breath where is my you know where is my heart and um, being able to really navigate through this and do all that we can to uplift our frequency and like you said you know creating the space in our own home even if it's just a little space that we continually uh, nurture and nourish with those uh, positive energies then we're, we're, we're stepping back into that and uh, again and again and building upon it and strengthening that so that's a, that comes back to us you know and then we can then go out and share that if we you know eventually can you know for some of us but it's a, it's that idea of you know and even just sharing from from the space of our hearts in prayer you know if we can't go out we sometimes we feel as teachers that we have to touch so many that we have to oh I need to have all these people in a class and it's like you know how can we do that on the inner planes you know that's that's a question that we can ask ourselves now like by continually refining and being able to breathe and clear ourselves and and move with energy whether it's through sound or breath or movement uh, whatever our modality may be, you know, dancing if we want. Laughter is a beautiful uh, way to lift our vibration. So all of these different things that we can do, and I know you're going to speak more about tools, but all these different things that we can do to lift our vibration up um, have that impact. And then dedicating that, dedicating that out uh, sometimes, and that's been I know my personal practice has been, you know, whatever I'm doing in a positive, uplifting manner to continually dedicate that out to others um, who may be, you know, more challenged um, mm. at this time. Thank you. That's awesome. So that that um, prana or chi or scalar energy that comes from um, doing daily practice um, and then and then doing it in a particular area of your home, great. And then like it's almost like you're, what you're saying, Shata, is like it's in stages. And as that builds and builds, then it's it becomes this. I'm feeling it's like a force field that that in you know those frequencies are very very high whether it's song or the physical asana creates a frequency and absolutely yeah and then that it becomes a force field of light I know one thing that comes to mind right now was a, maybe we can talk about mantra and song like you you just mentioned um, I remember a story um, I was studying the Kabbalah many years ago and um, I remember reading that 
talk about protection and frequencies, high frequencies of light, light and sound, um, there was a, and I never, I never knew this, but there were actually, um, there was a two communities in, it was about the Holocaust and there were two communities of light uh, and it was two Jewish communities and um, the, in the world that escaped the Holocaust. And I, I never knew this, but um, I don't know if you ever heard this story. There, there were two. One of them was in Poland and the other one was in, um, in Morocco. There was a Jewish community in Morocco, in Northern Africa. And um, the only one I know about from the story was the one in Morocco. But in that village, um, they would, uh, the people would, you know, be at home doing their, you know, what spinning, whatever they did at home, you know, and uh, spinning wool, or, you know, I'm thinking of like Gandhi at his little spinning wheel, or, you know, whatever the craftsmen and the people. But there was a cantor, which in the Jewish faith is the singer, right? He's, he's the one that sings. And he would sing and chant the Zohar, which is the mystical body of Jewish wisdom, the Zohar. And he would sing and chant in Hebrew, right? So he, he sang, and the, if you could imagine a little streets with the, co- you know, like the cobblestone, I guess, or the stucco walls and little villages, and people had their windows open. So they were working at home, and he would sing to them. And so the sounds, these sacred sounds, the Hebrew chant, would waft through the village streets. And so he, this was a practice that was done every day. So if you think about song and chant and sacred, right? Sacred, uh, you know, Hebrew is one of the five sacred languages of light on the planet. And so he would sing. And this clearly became a kind of force field of, of a, the chi, the prana, you could imagine, the scalar energy, whatever you want to call it, that built up. That was this incredibly high vibe. And one day, the, um, if you remember your history, the, um, the Nazi army had invaded North Africa. And they went to Morocco. And they went to the king and said, hey, you know, we know you have Jewish people here you know, hand over the, the, the Jewish community. And the king said, no. Like, can you imagine these guys pull up in those, you know, scary, you know, uniforms and, you know, coming into the village? The most terrifying thing you could imagine. And the, the king said, no. And what happened to the, uh, the, the officers? They left. They didn't argue with him. They didn't hurt him. They hurt no one. And they just simply left. And so that, to me, I never forgot that story. And they were literally spared from getting killed. So it just goes to show you the healing power of sound, that it not only heals our bodies, but it creates way more than we realize. So dedicating a certain time of your day or just incorporating it into your daily practice, singing and chanting, especially with anything that opens your heart. You know, I don't care what you sing, as long as you're happy and opening heart, but certainly sacred scriptures, like in the Vedas, like in as a yoga teacher, like, you know, should, can you maybe share one, a simple one? It may be somebody who's listening has never done yoga or is not familiar with that part of yoga that is chanting, not a yoga, right? Is the yoga of sound not a yoga? Yes, yes. and, you know, when we are chanting, we're... There's these fractals that are created from the the tones, and we're we're 
placing forth a high vibration, especially in the, you know, the sacred ancient languages. Um, and again, like you said, you know, any, anything that allows you to feel uplifted is certainly going to just, just toning sometimes. If you don't even know what you're toning, sometimes you just sit in the silence and allow the tone to come forth and feel it in your body. Feel where it resonates. Maybe if there's an area that needs healing, sending that tone, uh, maybe a color of light even that comes to you with that tone. Uh, and then, and also projecting that out. We can certainly project that to the world. And then uh, the, the mantras, you know, the Sanskrit mantras, Om Shanti Om is a very simple one, you know, and peace to your soul. You can chant that and feel that peace just washing over you and through you and bathing every cell and sending that out as an offering to all who may be, you know, in a panic or in, in any type of fear at this time, you know, sending that, that vibration of, of true peace and comfort out, something very simple yet very profound. And these, this has nothing to do with religion. This is simply these, some people feel, you know, oh, you know, is this, am I a Hindu if I do this? And no, I mean, it's just like saying if you were, if you studied martial arts, does that make you Buddhist? No, you know, there's plenty of thousands and millions of people around the world that are not Buddhist, but it that practice and that wisdom tradition may have originated in that part of the world where Buddhism was practiced, and there is definitely a, there are people who are Buddhist who practice martial arts, but no, this doesn't mean that you're put in any kind of, you know, religious, this is beyond religion, this is like, source, I would call it source code, you know. Right. Exactly. So there are levels and levels. And the Sanskrit mantras, um, I think maybe if, if people just even did a simple Google search, like Sanskrit mantras or any, any kind of mantra, um, but even the word mantra, M-A-N-T-R-A, um, what does that mean in Sanskrit, mantra? Isn't it about the mind or calming the mind or something? Yeah, it's mind's projection and mind's protection. So it's, it's what we're projecting out, but it also has that potential to be a protecting force. You know, when we're, when we're chanting these higher vibration sounds, it does form the protection, just like the story that you shared, you know, about chanting the Zohar. So uh, when we go into a mantra and we're repeating it's like repeti repetition of this word sometimes the the mantra can actually be an internal practice too you know japa where you're you're internalizing that mantra and just repeating it it has this way of of really clearing the the mind the the static and allowing us to experience more of that spaciousness japa j-a-p-a that's internal mantra repetition Right, so that's another level where I remember um, our, our teacher told us that in, in the ashrams in, in Tibet and Nepal and such, the, um, the monks actually don't chant out loud. I mean, some of them do. There are some places where they do chant out loud, but sometimes they are, it's internal. It, it's, it's only it's done in silence because they don't need to vocally project you know, there are levels and levels, and it's not like one is better than the other. There's no value judgment being put here. It's just simply levels of reality, I guess you could say. Or, That's right. 
Yeah. And sometimes it may be appropriate to, you know, to chant out loud. I mean, certainly if you're alone in your home, but if you if you're there with a family or something, and it's you're online really at the checkout counter, right, and you're exactly. like, "Hello, there, Om Namah Shivaya." As I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> as I'm checking out my groceries. Yeah. <laughs> so and you know, at the same time, you know, we can be washing the dishes and chanting Om Namah Shivaya or Aham Prema. You know, uh, a, a, a very an invoking a spirit of love and and putting that infusing that into everything that we do whether we're making the bed whether we're washing the dishes i have our dishwasher broke many many months ago and i've been hand washing all the dishes all the time and it's a lot you know it's a vitamix and the, right. and the this and then that you know if we're cooking it so it's and and yet you know it's like this it, i'm grateful for that i love i love it you know the water's washing down over my hands and i'm just sending that uh that feeling of cleansing and then moving into a mantra uh in any moment we can do that and it can be an internal practice to to take us back to our center Mm. especially right now when there's so many things that are calling our attention and pulling us away from that just come back to the mantra it can be something very very simple and the fact that you can I'm glad you said that because sometimes people think, oh, meditation means you have to sit in the corner and be still, and it doesn't. You can turn dishwashing into a meditation like you were just sharing. And, um, you know, I know for many years I didn't have a dishwasher, and then I did, and I honestly loved uh, using washing dishes as a meditation so that when I actually got one, I, I, I basically, it wasn't even like, I didn't even see it. Like, I didn't, I didn't even use it. For, for the longest time and I, I still I still prefer to wash dishes so yeah there's these are simple ways um, that we can you know incorporate these things or kids parents that are home with their kids you know uh, who are being having to be homeschooled um, as as a parent of three how do you not their their you children I know are grown but what about if a parent has young children at home do you have any advice for them about you how do you how can we use yoga to the the yoga of you know having to homeschool um, yeah I mean you know I, I can't imagine you know those with younger children right now it must be a lot to have to embrace this well you know play dates have been restricted going out going to school and for the very younger children it might be you know there it might be quite shocking you know and it is for all of us um and yet you know what can we do as parents you know we can again creating that little space in our home and making it a place of comfort and healing and you know maybe we could call it you know our safe our safe space you know coming into that and being able to really um to to share and allow them to participate in that vibration and you know whether it's just something very simple like breathing you know or or chanting together you know you can put on your your music and and chant together or dance around or or color whatever there's many ways that we can practice yoga you know um there's the mandala coloring books which are really good they're a very good meditative type of practice for the real young children where they can actually you know uh just be in in the zone you know um and 
and certainly most kids really are are very open and very happy to you know put out a yoga mat and and move around so you know inviting them in we all need our personal space and time and yet you know with those with children we can uh, share that with them and you know it's it's a wonderful way to have them be able to you know make peace with these these times that we're in as well I was thinking too on if you don't have a mantra coloring book you can always go to Google and Google Images and uh, put, put, you can put up uh, yantras uh, in a mantra color, yantra coloring book I should say Y A N T R A so it looks like it rhymes with mantra but it's a Y a yantra is a how would you describe a yantra it's a sacred geometry yeah symbol. sacred geometry uh, a lot of times you know in in the Tibetan culture, they have a lot of these, and they're worlds. They're literally like a universe. And when you look into a yantra, it's like you you kind of dissolve into this whole other universe, and it has this whole life of its own. So it's a very mystical type of practice uh, to look at yantras, and there are calendars with them. Of course, there's images on um, you know you can certainly find online, and uh, maybe there's something that you really gravitate to. You can just do a search for those, but really um, really going into that, and and that's a wonderful idea to you know to share that with with younger ones too you know what do you see and what do you feel from that and there have been many many great masters who have shared these outrageous experiences just from looking at a yantra you know Mm. sacred geometry Mm. um but in a way it has it has a whole world or life of its own and they could i mean parents or whoever is interested you could just go download or print a copy or just pull it up on your computer screen or phone and look at that and if you wanted to say give it to a child you could you know they could sketch it or draw it or you know or or do their own you know use that as an inspiration but uh, these are really powerful simple tools right it's not like you have to have a yoga background anybody can just that's what i love about yoga anyone can jump on board and it's not just asana that's a very common misperception asana being postures you know many people think it's just oh they're postures it's like no there's actually eight limbs right the eight limbs of yoga yes yes eight limbs wow so what are some of the other limbs beside asana for those who are new to this well the first limbs of yoga are called the yamas and niyamas and those are really uh, likened to the Ten Commandments. I think most traditions have something likened to the the Ten Commandments. So they're like our, our ethical values and you know the the yamas and niyamas are how we are with ourselves and how we are with others, right? So um, you know what there are actually five yamas and five niyamas and they are a way of being you know nonviolence, for instance and we can take that in any way it's not just you know whether we are choosing to uh eat meat for instance is, is one way that one can can look at that you know having a having more of a plant-based diet can be that but also you know how are we with ourselves how are we with others how are we with those that we live with even ourselves on the mat are we pushing ourselves are we are we being compassionate in our practice and that's something um you know personally i've had to really um have a a lot of experience with this this last probably a year and a half or so really uh listening to what's right and not 
not always pushing it beyond our edge. You know, it's it's a way of um, of cultivating that that deep deep respect and love. You know, for ourselves. So um, so there's that, and there is of course you know purity. Um, there's there's Astea, for instance, um, not not stealing or hoarding. Um, you know, there's there's many different um, ways that we can uh, express and experience these yamas and niyamas. Uh, we talked about, you know, dedicating our actions. You know, maybe dedicating our actions to others or to the divine. Ishvara pranidhana is, you know, that that idea of anything we do, offering it to the divine. And that kind of takes the ego out of the picture. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to really do these dishes. Well, maybe we're dedicating this, um, this action, any action. Uh, so the yamas and niyamas are actually, you know, the first two. And, and I've heard some say that, you know, we don't even consider asana or pranayama or any of the other ones until we have some grasp of those. Because if you just came to the mat and you didn't have any sense or uh, practice of the yamas and niyamas, it may not be as fruitful of a practice. And so it's, um, and, and a lot of those are inherent. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of interpretations of the yamas and niyamas that, you know, this idea that, you know, we're not that and we have to obtain that. But really our true essence is that. It's really about, um, you know, kind of stripping away these veils that keep us from remembering that. And because that's who we really are. And then... Right, that's what yoga does. It yeah. reveals who we really are. Mm-hmm. I remember um, uh, my spiritual teacher told us years ago that yoga dissolves 98% of the Antichrist. So I know in when you hear the word Antichrist, you want, you know, we automatically think, oh, this is a Christian, you know, thing. Well, uh, uh, in terms of yoga, you could say the Antichrist is the ego. So you could, we could reword that and Absolutely. so if people get totally reactivated by that <laughs> it's like what's against life what it, it's our ego so it when you if you do an asana or chant or sing or draw a yantra those are all various methods of yoga that will so if we're in fear we can move into one of these or or like Irmasan shared last week the process simply breathing if we find ourselves mindful, like we're getting into a fear space, say we're watching, we see a scary headline and it's like, wait, like, you know, let's, let's breathe. Like, where's my, where's my breath right now? If you remember last week, he was saying shallow breathing was a sign. It's like a lower consciousness when we are shallow breathers. But if we move into a deeper, more conscious breath, then we, we start, I did that the other day. Um, I found myself getting a little freaky, like in a little scared pocket, I'll say. And then I'm like, no, I'm not going there. I'm going to breathe. So I did some, you know, it was only a few minutes, I could say three or four minutes and it completely changed. It's unbelievable how fast that can be. It is absolutely. And there's so many different ways, so many different types of breathing that we can practice. And even when we're uh, going back to the sound, when we're uh, practicing mantra or sound, and that's actually a form of pranayama in itself because we are creating that sound, especially if it's a vocalized sound, we're you know exhaling on that outgoing sound and then inhaling, and we're actually building our lung capacity. We're increasing our uptake of prana just by the mantra itself, you know, so 
that's another way. It's like it's doing double duty. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought of that. All these years I've been doing mantra and yoga and didn't think, yeah, you're getting, you're getting both the prana and the, and on that sacred sound. It's not just you're breathing, you're breathing with this outrageous medicine sound you know edgar casey the great edgar casey who is um called the sleeping prophet if you're not familiar with his work um his last name is spelled c-a-y-c-e edgar casey and the sleeping prophet so he went into this like trance state and he delivered thousands and thousands of teachings on on healing oneself with natural methods and the are the association for research and enlightenment in virginia beach they have the world's largest collection of these holistic documents which were basically his the transcripts but um he he always said the medicine of the future will be its sound and so I think of like crystal bowls and sounds like that of the future. Well, actually, the medicine of the past was the sound too. Like you said, mantras that go back thousands of years. Right? Absolutely. And you know the 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 Vedas. Uh, you know some of the most ancient teachings in yoga were were actually uh, given forth that way. They were they were um, taught and learned as as singing them and moving with the the the. Vedas are the um, not necessarily looking at a book, not necessarily reading it, but actually just chanting them and uh, repetition through that, and and so many of the teachings that way. You know, it's just like children when they when they learn. They you know when we learned the alphabet, for instance, we sang it. That's how we. And so it's a really nice way to um, be able to you know if you want to deepen your mantra practice and those of you who want a little more challenge there's a lot of mantras out there that are longer that you can really challenge yourself with but if you're starting with it newly you know then it's something very simple you know Mm. it can be very very simple so there's there's a there's a whole gamut just with sound and certainly with regard to pranayama i mean it's it's a great way it's a great uh you know, platform to to begin, whether you're just uh, beginning your asana journey or you're beginning your, uh, if you're going into meditation, doing some breathing as a way, as a segue into that um, to really calm and center. Yeah, and it's like, wow, what a before and after is it's pretty outrageous. And then and sometimes I know when I do that, I, then I'm, I'm a space. I'm not, my, I'm not using my space to be in worry. I'm actually clearing that and becoming an empty space. And in that, then ideas come, solutions. You know, if you find yourself in fear, like, oh, my God, I've just been laid off. What do I do? It's like, well, how about who do you be? Who are you, who are you being? Well, why don't we, if we be an empty space, then we can, act, there are answers out there. You know, I wanted to just say real quick, there's something that, um, there's a, uh, a beautiful Siddhas uh, prayer that I wanted to share with you. It's, it's on a site called dailymotion.com daily d-a-i-l-y motion m-o-t-i-o-n.com and the name of this is swami shri nabuji recites the mystical siddhis amaji so these this is a very very high mystical siddhis prayer siddhis being um, extraordinary abilities that are deeply within the very essence of who we are and this prayer literally opens us to these very high mystical spaces where miracles can occur hey who doesn't need a miracle right 
Um, anyway, so if you go to dailymotion.com, and if you, uh, let me see if I can pull this up. It's, um, that's the name of the, of the, I see if you Google that term, the, the page will pull up, but it's a multilingual mantra. So Shita has been sharing with us about mostly Sanskrit mantra. Uh, this is multilingual. So this has Sanskrit and Aramaic. You'll, if you know some Sanskrit, you'll recognize some of the words, but it's a very powerful chant. It's a Siddhis Yoga chant that utilizes several ancient languages. And uh, so I invite you to, you know, check that out. Um, again, this is, um, and it's a beautiful video. It's just this incredible four minutes and 59 seconds. Um, I mean, talk about getting downloaded. These are simple, easy access to this high frequencies of light. And uh, so I really invite you to, to check that out. It's actually the beginning of this video watching the video too, watching the colors and the movements and the shapes and the images are also part of the yoga. It's part of the healing. So um, the, it says here on the, um, on the screen, the alchemy gates of enlightenment are opened by meditating on this sacred ancient Siddhis mantra. It is considered to cultivate gateways to direct thaumaturgy, and spiritual transformation. This is a tool for transcendence toward the theurgy realms. So I had to look up theurgy because I'm like, I'm a word nerd. <laughs> and it was, uh, <laughs> and theurgy is the ability to work miracles. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so we have these abilities within us, and these are sacred, sacred tools and practices that we can awaken these this other aspect of ourselves that is not the the scary news headline and the 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 rat just this limited rational thinking that we're we're break. This is if anything, this pandemic is doing is it's breaking us up into these pushing us, you know, to really um, delve into these other realms that have been so ignored for so long. We've been too much on our phones, you know, all of us, come on, people, you know, <laughs> we know. <laughs> and this is like, it, it, if anything, it's the universe saying, get back in touch with, with these realms. You know what I have to say, Shita, was um, I know you want to share. You got looks like you got some cool stuff to share, but um, one of the things I saw this week on the news, and I don't know if you guys had seen it on the on the news, but it was so to me it was such a ray of hope. It showed in Venice. Did you hear that what happened in Venice this week? The dolphins. Yes, the yes. dolphins. Yes. The dolphins came back to Venice. Not that they were ever, you know, I, I had been to Venice, I've never seen a dolphin. That water is disgusting, filthy water. It's like Manhattan, New York City water. And don't even think about putting a toe in that, right? But um, because of the lockdown and all these ships and boats and pedestrian, you know, motor traffic and all that gone, the water is now so clear, you can see to the bottom. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know if that's ever in hundreds of years that you've been able to, and the minnows and all these fish and, right. and dolphins. So it, it has this pale aquamarine color and I'm like, Beautiful. oh my God, wow. like that's, that's crazy. But to me, that, that's kind of the, to me, coming back to the astrology of Saturn and Pluto in this intense dance, 
this is, um, you know, Pluto is death, but it's regeneration. And right. and that only happened, what, in, in the space of two weeks of, look at that. It, it, it's like the universe and, and nature wants us to just, it's so ready to embrace us. And if we just let go. The healing happens, you know, and it's, and it's a great reflection for us, you know, because each of us are, are at that juncture as well. We can all realign. This is a time of alignment and realignment for us. And, you know, the earth is showing us and it's beautiful. Right. This is how we heal ourselves. This is how we heal the earth. But it took letting, just let go, Mm -hmm. you know, just let go. I love that. sharing that because that's that is such a a great demonstration yeah i think of of anything that happened this week that is the most visual representation of what is available to us yeah so anyway just um yeah so that's that'll at least so so that'll hold you for this week right we've just (laughs) right now we want you to you know uh just take in inviting you to take in what we've shared today and um as we move like i said the next eight to ten days you know the mars saturn jupiter saturn pluto it's intense um but there's this window you know and we get to choose so um i hope that that you can uh, try on these these practices and ways of being and actual tools and things and chants this week and see how you do. I love hearing from you. Um, certainly, uh, let me know how you do or if you have any other ideas and things to share that we're, we're happy to share with the community. We are absolutely coming back and continuing this conversation with lots more tools. And so we can talk for hours and we will. <laughs> so, uh, but again, you know, there's a point at which we, we hear it and then we, we go and practice it. It's not just staying in our head, but the direct experience of the divine. There is nothing like the direct. We can talk about it all day, but then until you actually know it from within, from direct experience, you know, that's, that's what we're aiming for here. So with that, Um, I temporarily bid you adieu (laughs) and uh, just to say that we're here for you. Uh, We love hearing from you. Let us know how you're doing, uh, how we can assist you. And um, until next time, I will say um, yes, uh, namaste, which means the light in me salutes the light in you. Namaste and stay safe and be happy. Stay in your heart. And we will all move through this triumphantly. Okay, uh, that's all for now. Star Sound Speaks, Irliana Samsara, Star Sound Astrology. And thank you, Shita, so much. Just wanted to say thank you so much. Thank you. Thank uh, you. For being here. And I know you probably I know you got lots more to share, so we'll we'll circle yeah. back and Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Okay. And all for now. Much love.